Welcome to the Elmer EMC podcast. We want to support you on your journey with God. So here's this week's teaching. Indeed, blessed are those who dwell in your house, those who are ever praising you, whose hearts are set on God, who go from strength to strength until they see your face, that God would hear our prayer. And come bless our land and and heal our land. We love to sing that song when we gather on uh, typical Sundays. Uh, For Israel, uh, it was very important for them to go to the physical house of God. Of course, uh, we are the household of God. And yet, uh, we enjoyed very much opening our building uh, this two days ago. This is Tuesday for me, uh, two days ago. Um, gathering for worship, 36 were present, and uh, what a wonderful time we had. And we began to talk about this theme of exile uh, as a metaphor for thinking about what has happened to us, what is still happening, what may uh, continue for some time. And The reality is that the church indeed left the building, and and I'm asking the question today, what what have you lost in this exile that you are perhaps still grieving, you're upset about it, maybe even to the point of anger and lashing out about it? We have been asked uh, since three months ago to, as it's been called, shelter in place, to stay at home as much as possible. And, and so what we find then is, uh, you know, for me, the words of Bill Gaither's song, The King is Coming, where the marketplace is empty, uh, no more traffic in the streets, all the builders' tools are silent except for projects that were not completed, apparently, but, but so much activity came to a halt. And Indeed, busy streets were a lot emptier than they, they normally would be, and people have um, uh, lost work in some cases. Some jobs will never come back. Um, loneliness and isolation has been something which some of you uh, and many people have had to cope with in this crisis, and uh, it's hard um, our healthcare workers have been asking for more uh, personal protective equipment. We now know that as PPE. And uh, for quite some time, uh, the stockpile was way down. Some have actually lost loved ones who have gone on ventilators, been in ICU, and sadly have not come out. One of our EMCC pastors, Jay Chaudhry, uh, was in hospital for 45 days and on a ventilator for, I believe, 19 days. Um, God spared his life, but what an ordeal. What have you lost? Um, Because the the reality is the church left the building and so many uh, other things have happened. We we, we talked about two questions last week. One which is, I said, a futile pursuit, the aspect of why is this happening to us? 
and who or what should we blame? And I said that that's an entirely futile pursuit. Let me revise that just slight, slightly to say that if the purpose in determining the origin and uh, the way this virus advanced, if that is with a view to working ahead so that such a thing uh, in the same way will not happen again, then that would be a good thing. But for us to fixate on this and get all angry and um, tweet out all kinds of nastiness over this, it really is futile when, uh, like the church in, in Acts 11, upon hearing that a famine was going to occur in short order, uh, they basically said, what should we do and how can we help? And they found uh, ways of offering support to the most vulnerable, those who would be hardest hit by the famine. And, and as you think about it, uh, what, what can you do? How can you help? Simple things like, like making contact with the lonely, perhaps offering to get groceries for folks for whom that would be a, a bad idea right now. There are so many organizations that you can connect with online that can give you so many practical ways, not just in our own setting, but internationally, ways that we can be of practical and uh, Christ-like help. So, but, but you see, really, before we can even go there, it's going to be vital that we take the time, whatever time is needed, to grieve the exile, grieve what has taken place, get it all out, bring it all out into the light, the light of God's presence, his, his, his grace, his truth, and gradually come to a place where we are able to go on uh, healed and with some things at least on the way to being resolved in our hearts and minds. We need to take the time to grieve sometimes, and especially at a time like this when it seems indeed we have lost so very much. And I want to take you today to Psalm 137. That's the first scripture we're going to uh, consider. Uh, there will be about four key scriptures in this message. So fasten your seat belts, and we'll we'll walk you through this. And I hope, uh, as a result, we'll have some resources for what to do with the feelings and the thoughts, and maybe even the conclusions we've come to, and know how to cope with it, know how to deal with it. Psalm 137, a psalm uh, written in the context of the exile in Babylon, by the rivers of Babylon. There we sat down and there we wept. We wept when we remembered Zion, <laughs> when we remember all we've lost, or all those we love have lost. We lament we lament. There are so many examples and opportunities that Scripture provides us with the, with the words and the sentiments and the, 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 just the reality of being able to say and speak out, even shout out, cry out what's on our hearts and minds. And it may not be all 
something we really want to get out. If people really knew everything I was thinking and feeling right now, maybe they'd think I was a terrible person. Well, guess what? We're all in the same boat here. And far better to be honest with God and honest to God and get it out into the light. And we, we lament. That is a biblical, appropriate thing to do. And, and perhaps even with the lamenting, there can be a lashing out. As we follow the psalm through, we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows there, we hung our harps. We hung up our harps. I don't have the heart right now to pluck away on this thing, and, and yet our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors asked for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Can't you people just leave us alone? Do you not realize that because of what has happened to us, because of this exile, we are disoriented, we are disillusioned, we are discouraged? Used to be up was up and down was down, but we don't know what's up and what's down anymore. Can't you just leave us alone? Can't you see our hearts not are not in this. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? Here we are, in our day, wanting to sing out. And because of COVID, it's not wise that we do so. There they were without the heart to sing. Ironic, isn't it? Ironic. The psalm goes on to say, Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. They were there, these Edomites cheering on the Babylonians and tear down that temple, break down those walls. Oh my goodness, and oh daughter of Babylon, you devastator, happy shall they be who pay you back what you have done to us. We're hurt and we're angry. Forgive me if I lash out, will you? Just forgive me, because no justice, no peace. And you might feel today, maybe you just want to lash out at something. I remember seeing a cartoon with two uh, grizzly bears, I think, and the one said to the other, I just want to rebuke somebody. And maybe you just want to rebuke something or somebody, uh, in this time of disoriented disillusionment and discouragement. You just want to lash out. Well, go ahead. How do you really feel? What's really in your heart and mind? Get it out on the table. Get it out into the light of God. And let his light shine. Let his light shine as you are honest with him, and maybe honest with one another. We, we may want to lash out at God. <laughs> maybe, you know, and, and again, the Psalms preside, provide us with a resource for actually doing just that. Now, Psalm 44 is not a psalm written with the exile in mind, and yet it's appropriate to what we're talking about today, especially with a view to a situation where you don't think you've done anything wrong. Remember we talked about last week, is this pandemic God 
uh, unleashing the consequences of our sins and and giving us over to such and we and and uh, who sinned this man or his parents that this guy is born blind and we go actually when it comes to a direct cause and effect I'm not sure that we've done anything to deserve this to merit this Psalm 44 begins we have heard with our ears O God our ancestors have told us what deeds you performed in their days in days of old in God we have boasted continually and we will give thanks to your name forever see law meaning think about it think about it and yet you have rejected us and abased us what this type of psalm typically doesn't make it in the back of the hymn books where all those lovely scripture readings are found. Uh, this, this, is, this is not safe enough, not happy enough for a typical church service, and yet it's there in our Bibles, and it's there as a resource for us to take and use in order to get it out, even if it's directed, directed even if our 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 lashing out is to God. You've rejected us and abased us. You've not gone out with our armies. You've made us turn back from the foe. Our enemies have gotten the spoil. You've made us like sheep for slaughter and have scattered us among the nations. You have sold your people for a trifle, demand, demanding no price for them of, a, of any reasonable nature. All this has come upon us. Yet we have not forgotten you or been false to your covenant. Our heart is not turned back, nor have our steps departed from your way. And yet you have broken us in the haunt of jackals and covered us with deep darkness. If we had forgotten you, God, or spread out our hands to a strange God, would you not discover this? You know the secrets of the heart, but because of you, we are being killed all the day long and accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Where have you heard those words repeated? Romans 8, the God who is for us, not against us, and from whom we can never be separated, Paul asks, shall anything in all creation be able to separate us from God? The truth is, we feel like we've been killed all day long, accounted as sheep for the slaughter, nevertheless. Paul, Paul writes, there is nothing in all creation that can separate us from the love of Christ. But there is a point where you are so disoriented that you say, you know, we're, being, we're getting killed here, God. And either you're not doing anything about it or somehow maybe you're even back of it. What's going on? What's going on? Rouse yourself. Why do you sleep, O Lord? Awake. Do not cast us off forever. Why do you hide your face? Why do you forget our affliction and oppression? For we sink down to the dust. Our bodies cling to the ground. Rise up. Come to our help. Redeem us for the sake of your steadfast love. Bet you can't guess what the Hebrew word is. If you said chesed, you would be right. Your steadfast love, your unfailing mercy, your kindness, your everything good rolled into one beautiful little Hebrew word. Redeem us. <laughs> Grieving our exile. Because when we remember 
what we've lost, we will, will lament and maybe even lash out and maybe even lash out at God. But could that lashing out actually be a prayer of the most intense sort? Of course it is. And in prayer, we make space for listening to God. We make space to expand our capacity and to remember him and even to come to the point of reflecting on his wider perspective, which is always, always saturated with hope. But will we remember God? Will you? Or will you get stuck in lament and lashing out? Folks, we have the capacity to remember our God. Think of Jeremiah, who wrote Lamentations. What a horrible name for a book of the Bible, Lamentations. And yet, when you think about it, how glad we must be that a book with that name is there. The thought of my affliction and my Homelessness is wormwood and gall. My soul continually thinks of it and is bowed down within me. But this I call to mind. And therefore, I have hope. Faint though it may be, I have hope. Because the steadfast love, there it is again. You know what that word is? Say it with me. Not without a mask, because you'll spray when you say it. Chesed. The steadfast love. Look, there's spray right on my tablet screen right now. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. As Jeremiah stood in front of the rubble, I think of when George Bush stood on the rubble of what was the World Trade Towers. As he looked at it, and as Jeremiah now looks at the rubble that was the city of God, the, the, the holy city, Jerusalem, the place where the temple, that tangible symbol and reality of God's presence with his people, and now it's rubble. He says, great is your faithfulness. I will hope in you. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul that seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good to bear the yoke in youth, to sit alone in silence when the Lord has imposed it, to put one's mouth to the dust. There may yet be hope. This hopeful lament, it can't be rushed. It can't be rushed. This is not a case of saying, praise the Lord anyway, and putting a great big gaudy smile on your face. This hopeful lament can't be rushed. It may take time. And it's like that sign on John Street about COVID, this too shall pass. It may pass like a kidney stone, and I'm told there is no pain like that. But it will pass. It will pass. 
for the Lord will not reject forever. Although he causes grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his chesed, for he does not willingly afflict or grieve anyone. Can, can you believe that? Can you believe what Jeremiah has just written in Tom Wright's book, God and the Pandemic? He writes, some things apparently shock God, The Israelites were told again and again that they should not practice human sacrifice. However, they didn't simply do it on the sly. They constructed great high places for this specific purpose. And God's response is to say, I didn't command this, nor did it come into my mind. And actually, the Hebrew text in Jeremiah again says, heart, both times. God neither intended it nor even dreamed of it. Because you see, evil, he goes on, is an intruder into God's creation. Any attempt to analyze either what evil is or why it's allowed or what God does with it, apart from the clear, strong statement that God overcomes it through Jesus' death for sinners, is not only trying to put the wind into a bottle, it is supposing that we can imagine an orderly universe in which evil has an appropriate, allowable place. That way danger lies. To give an account of God's good creation in which there is a natural slot for evil to be found. The old philosopher's problem of evil cannot be solved except at the foot of the cross. Some rationalistic analysis of evil, such as God allowed the Holocaust, for example, to create an opportunity for some people to develop the virtues of heroism, self-sacrifice, and so on, or perhaps he allowed the Holocaust in order that the modern state of Israel would arise, actually serve as recruiting agents for a new forms of radical atheism. They would offer the dark, disturbing picture of a God who deliberately allowed a dangerous virus to escape from a Chinese lab or market in order that by killing millions of innocent people, God could issue a general call to repentance to those who are left, and so on. If that's your God, many of our contemporaries would rightly think, Don't expect us to want to do anything, want anything to do with him. It is altogether more appropriate then to recognize that God has in fact delegated the running of many aspects of his world to human beings and in so doing he has run the risk that they will grieve him to his heart or shock him out of his mind. But when this happens, he will hold people responsible and so on. I encourage you to download that book, God and the Pandemic, for the low, low price of $5.99 and read it through. It's a good read. But this point about God not willingly afflicted or grieving anyone and who will not reject forever, we need to remember that God. Uh, Even as we lament and lash out, remember the God of compassion and mercy, and why not begin to respond humbly to his compassion. In Hosea 11, God says, How can I give you up, Ephraim? 
code for Israel. How can I hand you over, O Israel? My heart recoils or is changed within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim, for I am God and no mortal, the Holy One in your midst. It goes on to say that they shall go after the Lord who roars like a lion, and when he roars, his children will come trembling from the west. They will come trembling, and I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. Exile will change us. And there is at least a, 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 a bit of a sense in which the God who is unchangeable even is changed in the sense of this passage, my heart recoils or is changed within me. Figure that out if you can, but just be glad that it is so. As we grieve our exile, as we and lament and lash out because of what we've lost, will we remember God and respond humbly to his compassion while we groan for the pain to end? And as we groan, he groans too. He groans too. Last scripture for the day. In the same way, Romans 8, the Spirit comes alongside and helps us in our weaknesses. We don't know what to pray as we ought, but that same Spirit pleads on our behalf with groanings too deep for words. And the searcher of hearts knows what the Spirit is thinking because the Spirit pleads for God's people according to God's will. And then we have that famous verse, which we must keep in this context. We know, in fact, that God works all things together for good to those or with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. It is only in the context of suffering, of confusion, of distress, disorientation, incompletion, groaning, that these words make any sense at all. He works for good with those who love him, who are called according to his purpose, with those who lament and lash out and who come to the place of remembering and responding and then asking, what can we do and how can we help with them and through them and for them? God is working all things together. When we groan, his spirit groans too. When will it all end? <laughs> I mean, really end. When will this end? As we learn to focus on the right questions and responses, having allowed the time and taken the time to allow grief and pain to work themselves through, how are we to cope with what may be a longer exile than we had wished for. There are people tweeting out and Facebooking, come on, let's get this over with. Let's get back to the way things were. I mean, in our region, there's not very many people sick, so come on. Or maybe it is, after all, a government conspiracy to take away our freedoms and on and on and on. Things put out there without any proof offered, which is exactly what conspiracy theories are in the end. But look, this may be with us longer than we had wished. And how do we cope with that 
as we ask the right questions and as we grieve, lament, and come to a place of quiet, settled hope, Jeremiah 29 is going to help us wrestle with this. And oh, by the way, Jeremiah 29 contains what is for many, maybe for you, your life verse. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, and to give you hope and a future. But there's a context to that. And it is to Jeremiah 29 we turn next time. But for now, as we bring this message to a close, I encourage you, I urge you to do the grief work that you need to do. And don't just slough it off, oh, I'm strong, I'm fine. No, bring what's honestly in your heart into the light of our faithful and compassionate God and let his healing take effect. Would you join me as we close in singing a song that, again, we we know so well and love so well, faithful one, faithful one. And oh, by the way, happy Father's Day. May you have a wonderful celebration of Father's Day. Uh, Premier has increased the size of our bubbles, and so may you enjoy your particular family and friend bubble and um, celebrate well the goodness of God and the gift of good, good fathers. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We invite you to follow Jesus with us and join us on mission with him. We'd love for you to connect with us through our website, worship at aemc.com, or on Facebook. Just search for Aylmer EMC. 